following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. Wednesdays on the Huge Radio Network are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can follow everything about high school sports 24-7 at MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. Wednesdays on the Huge Show are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. What's up, Michigan? It is our number three on a Wednesday broadcast on a Tellymore Golf Resort Fall Football Summit Roadshow. Tellymore is less than an hour north of GR. You can book your tee time and your fall stay and play package right now at TellymoreGolf.com. Inside this hour, five-time Big Ten champion offensive lineman Doug Skeen will join me. He's also part of the Michigan Football Podcast with Wolverine.com's Chris Ballas. We'll look at Michigan. Will it be an undefeated national championship season? What about the rest of the Big Ten? Harbaugh and the NCAA expansion in the Big Ten. Will the Golden Domers finally join the Big Ten Conference? And we'll play the win-loss game on the Michigan football schedule for 2023. We were together last May for the spring football summit. Here at Tullymore, and it's good to welcome back a great friend of the show, Doug Skeen. How you doing, my man? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. It's a great place to be, and it's fun to talk football and play golf. All right, what's the vibe from a lot of your friends who are former teammates at Michigan? What are they saying about what the Wolverines have done the last two years and what they're expecting this year? Well, the last two years have been obvious. We've turned the corner and finally met the expectations that the program has had for decades, which is winning the Big Ten, beating Ohio State, and going to the biggest of bowl games to play for big, big trophies. So that Michigan's been there for two years. Now it's time to take the next step and get back to where we were the last two years and not lay an egg in the playoffs, Bill. It's It's got to be a better performance there. And this team has all the parts and pieces that it's going to need to get to where they want to be to get another shot at this thing. They just have to realize that uh, it's, it's, and I'm sure they're gonna, they got a taste of it this past year, it's harder to stay at the top than to climb to the top. And they're looking at a three-peat chance for the Big Ten. And they want to get back in that playoff and, and do things that they know they're capable of, but they got to get there and execute. It's not going to be as easy as people think, but this team has all the parts and pieces to do it. And winning a championship and getting a three-peat and hoping for a run that takes you through the college football playoff with victories after losses in the semifinals last two year or two years, there's luck involved. You're going to need players to stay healthy. Uh, You're going to need the ball to bounce the right way. So when you look at this Michigan team right now on paper, what do you really like and what needs maybe to improve or wow you over in those first three games? Well, what I really like is the experience uh, on the offensive front, the returning players up there, the two guards especially, uh, the quarterback situation, obviously, you know, Edwards and Corum in the backfield, those things stand out immediately. A good young tight end uh, in Loveland, and, and there's just all kinds of weapons everywhere. And you, you got to have, 
you got to have Donovan Edwards on that football field as much as possible because that kid's a playmaker and he's a threat. And you get him in a mismatch and look out. So those things are obvious. Um, defensively, uh, I think we've got some outstanding players. But overall, the two things that, that I wonder defensively about, and we heard a lot of positive things about Jenkins and, and Graham on the defensive line, collectively can that defensive line get to the quarterback and disrupt the quarterback because that's a requirement to be successful at the biggest of levels in college football. And so that's exciting, but I always want to see it, right? And and so there's going to be some new players in there. I think Rayshon Benny could be a guy that has a, a breakout season on that defensive line from Michigan. Junior Colson's a stud middle linebacker. So again, a lot of experience, a lot of playmakers there, but it's got to happen. It's got to be, you know, it's got to be realized on Saturdays, and and so that's these are all the positive things. the The areas of concern, uh, the edge of the offense, uh, the wide receiver group. Uh, you know, who are those guys going to be, and, and and can Michigan offensively develop a top ten passing offense? So come mid year, come the end of the year, are we statistically in the top ten in passing offenses? If we are. That will be new and different from the last two seasons. And if you combine that with the running game we've had the last two seasons, now maybe those playoff results will be different. And if you want big passing numbers in a running game, Douglas, uh, you need a stud offensive line. And uh, the backbone of Michigan football in back-to-back Big Ten titles, nothing against the playmakers, uh, the superstar names that everybody talks about, but the Michigan offensive line has been fabulous the last two seasons, and they look like they have more depth than ever before. Sharon Moore has done an outstanding job since taking over the unit. Uh, The expectation is they'll continue to get better. We've got to fill a role there at left tackle. We've got to fill a role at the center position with Oluwatimi now gone in the NFL, an outstanding player in there last year. So a couple concerns, but enough depth and some young guys that have come in and certainly the transfer portal players with Nugent coming over from Stanford certainly provide some holes that, that have been filled. But again, the offensive line play comes along a little bit slower than everything else. And so, again, positives are the returning players at guard are outstanding. The backup players, all hottie in there, played outstanding, a high-energy guy. So there's all kinds of talent coming back. Uh, the one thing I would say that Michigan's offensive line consistently needs to be great at and we struggled with this a little bit at times last year, earlier in the season, and maybe a little bit late in the season too at times, short yardage and goal line. Just lining up and manhandling people at times were a little bit high and we weren't all that great. And so if you're going to be a great offensive Michigan offensive line uh, as a group, and, and this team has been, uh, the luxury position is you line up on a short yardage play and everybody in the stadium and watching at home and on both sides lines knows what you're about to do. They know the play that's coming. And yet you execute anyway, Bill, and you knock them back and you get a first down or a touchdown. I would like to see this offensive line take the next step and and not have those negative plays and short yardage and goal line at times. What's the next step for J.J. McCarthy? As a five-time Big Ten champion, offensive lineman at Michigan, Doug, late 80s, early 90s, uh, what's the championship move J.J. McCarthy has to make at quarterback? Well, I think the one thing that goes unrecorded is is sort of a continuation of his uh, 
his judgment in protecting the football. There was a few plays last year that we talked about that we we kind of lost our breath in them because it looked like he was, you know, maybe extending the play too long, counting on his athleticism to roll out, extend plays, chuck the ball downfield. Those are scary things to watch. But ultimately, he wasn't a turnover machine by any means at all. Of course, in the TCU game, he had two bad ones that were pick sixes. That's no good there. Um, so that has to be eliminated. You can't ever do that as a quarterback. But I think part of J.J.'s next step to take him to the next level is back to what we talked about a minute ago. Who's going to be the feature wideouts that are going to be able to get separation and get open on demand and with consistency? And if they can do that on the edge, it's naturally going to make him better. The kid can throw the ball wherever. He's got a rocket on his shoulder. He's a great athlete. But I think part of his success is going to be the development and continued improvement of that wide receiver group. So it goes both ways for that group out there. They're going to have to be able to do it. The offensive line is going to give him time. He's going to get his three seconds. So J.J. just needs to continue to refine things and protect that football. Be smart when he's out there with the ball in his hand as a runner. And stay healthy. And then when the opportunities do present, he's got to put a smart, catchable ball for his guy only. He cannot have that delay as we saw in the TCU game. you got to put the ball on the spot. And if he's going to elevate his game to be the NFL kind of guy that I know he wants to be, then you just got to keep getting better out there with those the targets and your balls and getting them where they need to be. But he's going to need some help. A lot of people are saying, hey, this could be J.J. McCarthy's final year at Michigan. I don't feel that. I, I I haven't looked at J.J. McCarthy and said, all right, he's ready to step in to an NFL huddle. I know you've been on all sides of the game of football. What's your takeaway, you're a Michigan man, evaluation of J.J. McCarthy? Well, as far as his performance so goes so far at the University of Michigan, he's directly responsible for an outright Big Ten championship and winning at Columbus for the first time since Drew Henson did it 20-something years ago. So right off the bat, that's outstanding. He's a historical great player in Michigan's football history. But the good news is he's got time to go. I, I kind of agree with you. I, I don't know where he fits as far as the NFL goes, and I think that ties back to the passing offense that's been demonstrated with him running it. There's some flashes of greatness. He can see things, and he puts a nice football out there for his guys to catch. But part of this development for him to become the feature NFL draft, high draft pick he wants to be, is going to be required of, of having guys help him do so. So he's, he's got tight end weapons. He's had those. But again, he, he's got to have some wide receivers that can get open when there isn't a busted coverage, when there isn't a bad play by the safety at Ohio State. Somebody that can get open when there's a good defender sitting across from them. And when that happens, J.J. starts settling in and consistently, week in, week out, this offense starts performing and can get to that top 10 passing efficiency, a real dynamic passing offense. Now you're looking at an NFL prospect that scouts are going to start drooling over. Doug Skeen is a five-time Big Ten champion offensive lineman, late 80s, early 90s for the University of Michigan. Also part of the Michigan football podcast you can hear with Chris Ballas at thewolverine.com. So I kind of look at J.J., and you have the ultimate play-action backs and Corman Edwards, which can set up a passing game. And I talked to John Borton earlier and Ballas. I like Roman Wilson, but beyond Roman Wilson, 
tell me a go-to guy. I know Johnson had the big catches last year in Columbus, a guy that can catch the 10-yard slant and he it's a 30-yard pickup. Do they have those game changers at wide receiver? And how does that mix in when you have the play-action ability with two great backs and Corman Edwards? Well, you're going to have to get the football into the hands of Corman Edwards. And Edwards out of the backfield catching the football. At times, he, he could be a wide receiver. Change his number, put him on the edge. The, kids can, the kid can play out there, too, because he's big, he's strong, he can run. But, Bill, outside the two names you mentioned, uh, Roman and Johnson on the edge, there's, there's who else? No one knows yet. We haven't seen it yet. It doesn't mean those guys aren't on the team. And somewhere this spring and somewhere this fall, there's, there's a couple young men on that roster that need to become that guy to complement the other two players that have been making plays and give some options for a defense to think about beyond Corum and Edwards. It's, you know, this is the third time I've mentioned it now. It has to happen for this offense to develop into the total package and the total balance that it's going to have to be for Michigan to win all these games that they're expected to win. Doug, uh, when you say expect and expectations, sitting here as a former Michigan player, are you thinking this is national championship or bust? I know the line is always beat Ohio State, win the Big Ten, the rest is gravy. I think it's different with this team based on how the last two years have finished. Well, beat Ohio State, win the Big Ten has been done now. for the. It's been a long time, but it's been done back-to-back in the new format or the newer format of the Big Ten title. So it's time for Michigan to take the next step. And, and as we started this conversation, the parts and pieces are there, Bill. I think this team itself expects to run this table, win the Big Ten, and get back to where they were into that first playoff round again and hopefully perform better and, and try to go get a shot at that big title. Um, I think it absolutely is a national championship appearance or it's going to be a disappointing season. Man, think, think about where things were when we started these Tullymore Golf Resort uh, spring and fall football summits. You were at a loss for words for the offensive line, Harbaugh. Everybody's wondering this is a make or break year uh, and what's been delivered. And it's everything that the Michigan fan wanted on why Jim Hackett went out and got Harbaugh. And I agree with you when you hear about the beat Georgia drill at practice. To have high expectations is fine now. You're not looking past Ohio State. You're not looking past anybody on the schedule in the Big Ten. But you have the embarrassment of the Georgia game, and you have a game that was yours for the taking. And you see Ohio State a field goal away, I think, from winning a national championship. Beating Georgia wasn't getting you a ring, but I think they would have went in and waxed TCU like Michigan did in the second half of that loss. You know, this season reminds me, Bill, and and hearing some of these young players talk about their expectations for this season a little bit reminds me of us 30 years ago, right? When we started the football season uh, as juniors and seniors, we had won the Big Ten back to back to back at that point. Going into that football season, we talked about who we thought we were going to play in the Rose Bowl. Because at that time, the Big Ten champion went to the Rose Bowl. And, you know, if you were undefeated, you had a chance to be voted, you know, number one in the nation. 
we were making plans for what we were going to do at the Rose Bowl that coming, you know, January, late December, January. We were looking forward to the trip. We were assuming that we were going to win the Big Ten. We just expected it. And I hear and see some of the same things coming out of this team now. They expect to be back to where they were. It's almost like a matter of fact, but yet they appear to be putting all the work in to make it happen. It just doesn't happen. You have to show up and execute against some of the, quote, lesser teams on your on your opponent list, your 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 schedule. And then, of course, the big names are obvious. You got to show up and play. And, and it'll be challenging for them to do it week in, week out to keep that kind of intensity and that burning desire. But it feels like the leaders on this team are talking that way. And it's not a bad thing. Some people say, oh, it's cocky. They're just going to assume they're going to walk out there and win. I don't think that's the case. I think these are real expectations from a team that looks in the mirror and says, you know what? We are good enough. We're better than what we showed the last two years in these playoffs. Let's go do this. And and I've heard, you know, the comments from McCarthy, Corman, Edwards for the most part. I've never sensed they were cocky or arrogant. Because usually if you're cocky or arrogant, you're rubbing it in or you're talking about things that you can't achieve. And I just think that that TCU loss, a hungry team, any level, how'd that previous season finish? Did that loss not take over your life, but were you thinking about it every day? Like I said, Doug, you've played from your high school days in Texas uh, to Michigan, five-time Big Ten champion around great leaders. You're a leader yourself to stints in the NFL Uh, When your season ends with a game you think you should have won that could have changed the course of destiny, how much does that fuel a team that following season? It it lasts into the following season if you have eligibility to play, play for sure. And if you don't, it burns you the rest of your life because you know you're better than what you did on that day. And it just drives you up the wall. And so, again, these players are talking about this missed opportunity of a year ago, and they know that they would have done better if they could go back and do it all over again. But you can't. That's part of the deal, right? You get one shot on Saturday to perform. And this team, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that, that they know that they're better than what they did. And that's why you saw guys come back that had chances to go to the NFL. They just felt so bothered the way things went. They felt motivated to get this thing going again and get back to prove who they think they are. And I think they can do that, and they should do that if these other parts and pieces we talked about and these other questions that we've asked each other here since we're talking, if these answers can come along the way they should, then there's no doubt in my mind they'll have that chance. How'd Harbaugh turn this all around? If we roll it back to, it would be two years ago, uh, we're here at the Tullymore Golf Resort in Canadian Lakes, Michigan, less than an hour north of GR. I think this is the fourth year of doing the spring and fall football summits. And trust me, between the Lions and Patricia and Stafford and Goff and wondering if Harbaugh was coming or going, we've had some interesting times on and off of the beautiful golf courses here at Tullymore was it the right leader stepping up? Guys like Aiden Hutchinson, like Johnny Borden said earlier, J.J. McCarthy comes and takes a job away from Cade. Quorum has been amazing as a leader on and off the field. Same thing 
with Edwards? Was it Harbaugh change in what he did? From what you know uh, inside Michigan football to where we are today, uh, how did that light finally come on? I don't think there's any one answer. I don't think there's any one answer to that question, Bill, but there's a few things to me that stand out. Going back to the two years ago when we beat Ohio State at home and that Aiden Hutchinson-led team and and Cade McNamara and that group, for for the first time in many years, the guys that got their their faces rubbed in it in the previous years by Ohio State, they they would always say after, oh, we're going to get to work and we're going to work on this. This isn't going to happen again next year. We're going to be different. Well, for whatever happened that winter, they were different and they prepared differently and they executed differently, and they gained momentum. And, and so whatever happened in the evenings, sitting around the, the pizza box, talking amongst friends and teammates, something changed. And it's hard to describe what that could have been. But on, on Saturdays, when you watched that team, what I noticed as a former player is a team that cared for each other. They looked out for each other, and they were having fun playing football together. So when a guy made a play, you saw four or five teammates immediately around him celebrating with him for the great play that he just made. And that was offense, defense, special teams, the sideline, the coaching staff. So some chemistry changed in the building where suddenly these guys look like they're a tight brotherhood. When I'm not so sure that was the case in some of the struggling, disappointing years of Harbaugh teams. And so that is it's it's obvious, but it's difficult to describe how he did it. As far as recruiting goes and the way the football players have been put on the field at Michigan, I think maybe there was a little shift in the recruiting focus in that Michigan's always going to recruit top-end athletes, top-end football players, but maybe, just maybe, somewhere in the scouting department and the recruiting strategy sessions, Coach Harbaugh and his staff said, hey, let's find the toughest football players we can find, guys that love the game of football that happen to be tall and athletic and can run like a deer and are strong and do all the wonderful things you can measure at an NFL combine. But I think the best of football teams are filled with football players that are great athletes instead of athletes who happen to play football. And there's a big difference. And I think Michigan now has a better mix of the football players who happen to be great athletes Because when you get a group of those guys together and they're hungry and they love each other and they have fun, look out. Now you can do a lot of big things. Doug Skeen did a lot of big things. Five Big Ten championship rings. Late 80s, early 90s at the University of Michigan. Also, he's a co-host with Chris Ballas at TheWolverine.com on the Michigan Football Podcast. He's joining us here on the Huge Show across Michigan from the Tullymore Golf Resort in Canadian Lakes, Michigan. Book your tee time for the fall, stay and play package, and even into 2024 at TullymoreGolf.com. That's TullymoreGolf.com. So when you look at this transformation, when you look at Michigan now, preseason number two, AP, coaches poll, uh, anything less than the national championship game, is a disappointment. It's about as close to SEC football as Michigan has ever been, right? I think, well, as far as expectation goes and a national recognition for where Michigan football is, yes, right? This is this is the kind of preseason talk that people are probably just absolutely, as fans, are absolutely used to down in Alabama, 
LSU fans think this every year. Ohio State fans think this every year. And it's been a while since Michigan fans and former players and people that uh, watch this team very closely and follow them all year long. It's been a while since we've had this kind of expectation. It's fun. It's exciting. There's a lot of anticipation. And having been there and done that many years ago, we were on some highly ranked preseason teams, and there's a lot of excitement in that locker room, Bill. There's a lot of guys that want to get out there and get this thing going and have fun doing it. And so it is great. Now now comes the hard part uh, in the fall of keeping the focus for the guys in the locker room, not being distracted by everybody telling you how great you are and staying off your social media and have everybody wonderfully tell you, oh, you're a number one draft pick and you guys are going to be all this, all that. You know, Bo used to say, uh, you know, the old the old sayings, and I think he maybe got it from Coach Woody Hayes at Ohio State. I know Coach Moeller talked about it all the time. You know, the the if someone came up and said something nice to you, you ought to smack them right in the mouth because they're trying to make you soft, right? So it's now it's now it's Coach Harbaugh and his staff having to keep these guys humble, motivated, uh, and, and yet eager and ready to go uh, without letting them get too inflated about all the wonderful things people are saying about them. Doug Skeen, uh, Ballas, I'm looking at the list of wonderful things Chris Ballas has said about Doug Skeen. I'm still looking at the list. It's a blank sheet of paper. Uh, Skeen and Ballas do a great job on the Michigan Football Podcast at thewolverine.com. Doug, next segment. I'll get your thoughts about Big Ten expansion. Uh, who's up next after Oregon and Washington join UCLA and USC? And also just how deep and tough uh, the Big Ten will be and how that affects Michigan football. And uh, we'll play the win-loss game on the Michigan schedule. But you've already said undefeated. I've said undefeated. So maybe we'll just focus on Big Ten expansion and how tough uh, the conference is going to be. If you want to answer our Budweiser Folds of Honor, huge question of the day, how many wins for Michigan this fall? Skeen says undefeated. I say undefeated. You can join us on the Mercantile Bank listener line at 1-866-838-4843. That's 1-866-838-HUGE. Mercantile Bank is a bank based in Michigan. A lot of banks can't claim that. They also have locations all across the state. So answer that question, how many wins for Michigan football this year? 1-866-838-4843. That's 1-866-838-HUGE on the Mercantile Bank listener line. From St. Joseph to Midland, this show is huge. Friday, October 27th, TVs and Practical Jokers are up to their usual tricks. If you're not here, you are missing out. It's the Tenderloins at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Sal, James, and Brian for two shows and twice the laughs. 7 and 10 p.m. Tickets start at $59. On sale now at the box office and etix.com. Don't miss the Drive, 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 Drive Tour with the Tenderloins, October 27th. Party hard, laugh louder. Details at SoaringEagleCasino.com. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network.
We are back on the huge show across Michigan inside the Tullymore Golf Resort in Canadian Lakes, just north of GR, less than an hour north of Grand Rapids. You can book a venue for wedding receptions, business get-togethers, and more. Uh, go to TullymoreGolf.com if you're looking for a weekend home or live here year-round. They have great real estate options. Just go to TullymoreGolf.com. Whether it's a condo, custom-built home by Ministrelli Builders and more, find out about the real estate available less than an hour north of Grand Rapids at TullymoreGolf.com. Doug Skeen is joining us on our Fall Football Summit. Five-time Big Ten champion offensive lineman, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, The Big Ten, when you were in school, had 10 teams. Yes, indeed it did, and it looks nothing like it does now, and it's not looks nothing like it's going to in a couple years. And so, uh, you know, when when you say, you know, late 80s, early 90s, boy, that feels like it's so, so long ago because it was. But, boy, what a what a difference in, in, in college football and college athletics. So much has changed with NIL money and the transfer portal and, and now the, the realignment and the shakeup of, of the leagues that we knew them for so many decades and television money drives all of it, right? That's that's where this is all going, and and I don't blame these schools for aligning themselves with the biggest possible budgets they can, so they can expand and keep up across the country. And the Big Ten is no exception. And it's not over with, Bill. It's more is going to happen. Yeah, I think Stanford seems to be a lock from the outside looking in, and I know we talked about this during the break, Doug. You know, Notre Dame has loved being the standalone independent with their own TV deal. And when you look at the exposure now the Big Ten is getting, when you look at adding teams from Los Angeles, two teams, USC, UCLA, uh, Seattle market with Washington, Oregon with their uh, national name, the growth of the SEC with Oklahoma and Texas, and probably I think Florida State and Clemson one day, that could be the fall of the ACC. So if you're ND and you're sitting there and you're going, is this a time? There's a couple of things that people don't talk about. One, you're ND. You're going to make a heck of a lot more money every year being a part of the Big Ten multi-TV deals than you are on your own. Yes, the college football playoff is going to 12 teams a year from now. But what... What what's your goal if you're Notre Dame? If you're gonna stand alone and you want a quality schedule, strength, including uh the you know, night games, day games, wherever you, you want to take Notre Dame's traveling road show, when there's a twelve team playoff in the if it's five conference champions or it goes down to four with the fall of the Pac twelve, so there's eight open spots. You're Notre Dame, if you're not playing a quality schedule, I don't care if you're 12-0, and 0, okay? You're not going to get a conference championship game to help your cause, or it can hurt some teams. You may lose big rivalry games because USC is saying, hey, man, we're already playing Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State, and we're not going to continue this Notre Dame game. And you're ND saying, yeah, we could go 12-0. This isn't the BCS. 
It isn't just four teams right now. You're talking about, and I, I listened to the college football playoff committee last year. Well, Michigan would have played more quality teams in September. They would have had a higher ranking within the committee. So strength of schedule. Yeah. I love Air Force. I love Army. I love Navy. Or Navy. I, I love what the military academies do for America. But those wins aren't going to help you, and they're not guaranteed wins against any of the schools. So if you're Notre Dame, now is the time. There may not be another invitation. And Notre Dame in the Big 12 doesn't seem big. Notre Dame joining the ACC full-time like they do for other sports with football doesn't seem big. There's two moves for ND, the SEC or the Big 10. And they don't seem like the right fit for the SEC. I think now is the time for Notre Dame to join the Big 10. We've talked about this multiple times, Bill, over the years here at Tully Moore in the spring and the fall about what the future of the Big Ten could look like. And the Notre Dame question continues to go up, uh, come up, and here we are again. And, and I know I've said this multiple times, and it, Notre Dame will join the Big Ten when they have to be pulled, scratched, Toad, you know, dragged into this league when they when they absolutely have to. And to your point, that time may be coming because what used to be a standalone deal with a television network that that landed them a, a healthy you know athletic budget every year guaranteed is no longer uh, the biggest cat on you know on the block when you look at the the television package that the Big Ten has. So the finances may be right. The competitive balance of keeping Notre Dame football relevant in the national conversation is going to be right. And I think competitively, as a fan, you know, I've always thought, you know, yeah, I want to see I want to see Notre Dame play this schedule of the Big Ten every year. Uh, I want to see them play at Madison. I want to see them play at Ohio State and and come in and join the rest of these teams. Go up to Penn State on a, on a Saturday night, you know, and do that with regularity. And so I think it's exciting on one hand, and yet in these conversations, you and I have also said, screw Notre Dame. I, I, I don't care what they do, and they could fall away, and I'd be all right with that because I can't stand Notre Dame as a, as a program, because mostly because I didn't have the greatest of records on my teams against them, but that's a personal thing. But I, I do think that it finally makes sense for Notre Dame to figure this out. And, of course, they naturally fit in the Big Ten. It would be stupid for them to join the, the SEC and go down there they're in, they're in our backyard. They're right there in northern Indiana. Let's go. Let's finally get this done. Join in the Big Ten. We're going to bring in Stanford. They can keep that thing going. Notre Dame-Stanford, Notre Dame-USC, and just part of the Big Ten package, and everybody's happy. Because Notre Dame, you know, the SEC currently is going to stick with their eight games in conference, which is ridiculous because they want the four patsies. But I'm telling you, while the Big Ten is sitting here loading up, that their strength of schedule will help those teams to have the ability to lose three games, I think, and still make the at-large bid in the expanded college football playoff next year. So if you're Notre Dame, SEC schools aren't going to schedule you because they got eight conference games. They're going to schedule Louisiana Monroe, uh, Southeast Carolina State. So who are you going to play? 
who are you got your your five ACC games, but if Clemson and Florida State are going to run for it next year, whatever their buyouts contracts say, who's going to be left for you to play? So when there when there is the selection committee looking now at whether it's seven or eight at large teams, and they line up strength of schedule, who you played on the road, who you played at home, and here's another thing about Notre Dame. When they had their own TV deal, it was cool. It was bigger and better than any other school. That's not the case right now. The Big Ten between Peacock, NBC, CBS, Paramount, you go down the list, Fox, Big Noon Game, Big Ten Network, let's throw that in there. You know, The one thing Notre Dame never did, that I'm, I'm telling you from a media perspective, Doug, why didn't they ever do the Notre Dame network? Well, Bill, wasn't that wasn't it tried? The Longhorns tried that. They still have it. I thought. Well, what did it do for the league down there? The Aggies turned around and said, "If you got your own television network, we're out of here." And so I, I don't, you know, hey, I'm glad they didn't ever do the Notre Dame television thing. But to your point, who would they possibly play if they stuck in in where they're at? Virginia Tech. Uh, you're going to go play Boston College. You're going to play Pitt. I mean, these are teams that are, I would say, they're good football programs. But it's not the it's not the it's not the panache of having you know the big the big name rivalries. And so you get to the end of the season and you're eleven and one or twelve and zero, and you've played a bunch of middle of the road college football teams, and you've won then Notre Dame's going to tell the the television networks, hey, you know what happens when you put us on your television screen. There's going to be an enormous, you know, watch for our, for Notre Dame football because there's a obviously a big following for Notre Dame football, and there's a big following on the other side of people that love to see Notre Dame lose, like me. And so you turn in and you hope for whichever side you're on. And that that's the draw, but I don't know that it's going to be enough when you're going to have the SEC loading up with talented football teams. They're going to have a whole stack of teams that are ready to go in that playoff. The Big Ten's going to have a stack, too. So you'll have your four, maybe five, power five, or your, your sorry, your power four or five ch- champions that are going to be in. And you talk about seven, eight at-large teams, you'll be able to fill that roster pretty fast with the Big Ten and the SEC. And then whoever comes out of the Big 12, as long as that league hangs around, there may not be any room for an undefeated or a one-loss Notre Dame team, and the big networks may not care because the money's going to be there anyway. Doug Skeen, five-time Big Ten champion, my man. Thank you for the conversation. You can listen to Doug and Chris Ballas on the Wolverine.com Michigan football podcast all season long. Thanks for coming up to Tullymore. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here, and go blue. All right. Uh, surprisingly... He said, go blue after five Big Ten rings. Now, if you want to book a getaway tea time, stay and play package this fall at Tullymore, go to TullymoreGolf.com. That's TullymoreGolf.com. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. Time for another True and Blue segment on the Huge Show across Michigan, presented by the Michigan Association of Chiefs of Police. Every Wednesday, 
We feature the men and women in law enforcement across this state and some of their incredible stories of courage and also their will to serve and protect on a daily basis. And today, Todd Mutchler from the Northville area, Township Manager, Director of Public Safety. He's standing by in true and blue. And Todd, welcome to the show. Hi, Bill. Thank you very much for having me. All right, let's talk about how long you've been committed to serving and protecting in law enforcement. I think it's nearly 40 years. Yep. Um, well, it went by in a blink, but yes, about 36 years. 36 years in law enforcement. What would you say is uh, the driving force behind what got you into law enforcement and what has kept you going, like I said, for nearly four decades? Well, I think like most people that join this profession, I, I had an intense desire to, to want to help people. Um, I think it was really in my DNA. I have a, a strong sense of justice and fairness. And I think, you know, really what I've learned as I've grown up, so to speak, is that um, law enforcement was really a great vehicle for me to be able to serve others and and help others and i also feel like i'm at my best when i'm when i'm in service to other people so um you know law enforcement definitely gives you many of opportunities to make a tremendously positive difference in people's lives you know and and making that difference uh, in the northfield area as i mentioned your township manager and also manager director of public safety uh what, what's the connection and the vibe from the people in northfield uh, to your men and women inside uh, your public safety department northfield township is an amazing community for our public service people officials staff members the, the residents here uh greatly appreciate the services that's provided to them um and and we know that's true because they routinely support, um, you know, millages to um, support law enforcement services in the community. Uh, Your connection to the Michigan Association of Chiefs of Police, uh, they partnered with us. We've been doing this True and Blue segment uh, every week since February after their annual convention in downtown Grand Rapids. For a lot of people out there, in law enforcement, out of law enforcement, let's talk about the incredible work of the Michigan Association of Chiefs of Police. So, um, you know, I think this is a a group that for all the the men and women in blue and brown and and any uniform that they wear in law enforcement in the state of Michigan, that they probably don't fully understand or realize the degree of work that's being done by uh, Director Stevenson and, and other folks. I served on the legislative committee um, for about five years, two of which were as chair. And, it, you know, especially at a time like right now when, when there's a lot of push for wholesale change and policing practices, to have a calming and steadying and reasoned voice um, helping to keep legislation um reasonable and and you know to help educate our elected officials as to the impact you know some of the things that are being proposed may have to communities so that's just a snippet of what the macp and and bob stevenson are are doing for the folks and you know who wear a badge 
Amen. And I want to give a shout out to every man and woman who has been in law enforcement, if they're retired or currently active in law enforcement across the state. And whether it's for Northville Township and with Mr. Mutchler and his team or anywhere across Michigan, I think over 4,000 openings when we began this journey in law enforcement. You can just uh, stop by Northville Township. You can look up websites uh, for your local police departments, county sheriffs, Michigan.gov for the state police if you feel the calling uh, to serve and protect in law enforcement. Todd, appreciate your time here on this True and Blue segment. Thank you, sir. And and thank you to all the, the, the men and women who are serving and protecting our communities. Appreciate it. Have a great evening. Yeah, we appreciate you, Todd Mutchler, Northfield Township Manager, Director of Public Safety, joining us on another True and Blue segment on the Huge Show, presented every week by the Michigan Association of Chiefs of Police. Big. Bad. Huge.